know if you can see this or not, but this is the plant that we started off last week sharing a little bit about. Just doing a little bit of pruning. There's some areas where, as this plant is fighting for life, it's shooting off and spending a lot of energy trying to revitalize branches that are clearly dead. They no longer bear fruit. They no longer have any, any source of life or vegetation. And in order for this plant to thrive and to actually have a chance to make it, something I have to do. And I imagine that might be a little bit difficult for a plant or I guess a person to lose something that was once there. But the alternative is to stop growing, to stop being healthy as we're holding on to something that's clearly dead. That's what we've been talking about during this series. And it's one of the things that I think is so impactful when we get a chance to see a living illustration of what the Word of God is speaking into our hearts. And so, as many of you know, we've been spending the last few weeks in a series entitled Rooted. And in this series, we have started off with the understanding that all living things need to grow. And we also recognize that in order to grow, sometimes we have to prune. And today I would love to just speak to you for a moment from that topic. So if you would, someone just go ahead and say, it's time to prune. When we talked about pruning, I'd like to start off by giving you a definition that we can all work from as we consider this word prune. Pruning is defined as to trim a tree, shrub, or bush by cutting away dead or overgrown branches or stems. Like these stems I just cut off a moment ago, right? And as we see in the definition, it says that this is especially to increase fruitfulness. Somebody say increase fruitfulness. And it's especially to increase growth. Somebody say increase growth. So like many aspects of our faith journey, pruning isn't always easy. Can I get a witness this morning? But it is necessary in order for healthy new growth to occur. And so a natural part of the organic relationship with God is the process of pruning. Just as a plant is healthier after pruning and it has revitalized growth, so a Christian experiences growth when unhealthy areas of our lives are trimmed, 
or pruned. And through this process, we might experience a little bit of discomfort and pain. What we all have to come to realize is that the outcome is ultimately divine and beautiful. As a follower of Jesus, we must see God's work in our lives as something that has our best in mind and his glory at stake. Let's take a look, if we could, at the book of John. I'd like to look at chapter 15, and we're going to spend a little bit of time here as we go through verses 1 through 5. So please grab your Bibles, if you could. We're going to turn to the book of John, and I'm going to read to you um, chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, and they read, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Some might say, remain in him. Yes, remain in him. See, God's got a green thumb. I, I, I shared with you a testimony, I believe, last week that that might be an area that I'm still growing in. Remember, we talked about growing, and that might be something that I still have to work on. But God's got it mastered. He has a green thumb. And he communicates two things about that in verse, the first verse of chapter 15. Look at it again. First thing Jesus does is he makes it clear that he is the vine. And he wants us as the listener to understand that there is no life apart from him. As you saw when I was pruning and I was clipping, these pieces of this branch, these branches, these pieces of that plant are no longer connected to the vine. And so their future is certain. These branches are going to continue to wither away. They're gonna die. There's no way for them to survive apart from the source, the sustenance of that plant. Jesus wants us to understand that just as all the nutrients that are needed for a plant to grow, travel up through those roots um, and to the limbs from that trunk, from that stem, so we all need for our life, for our life to be to the fullest, to come by and through Jesus. And so, as we begin to really process that, 
I know we may have read this scripture or heard this scripture several times, but as we really begin to process the very first thing that Jesus is communicating that it is necessary that we remain in him. The second thing that we should take from this is the one who is responsible. We talked about this a little bit last week. The one who is responsible for cultivating the growth in the lives of people is God. Last week, we said that it was God who gives the increase. God is responsible for cultivating the growth in us. There's no other being who is more qualified to oversee your growth. There's no one else that's more qualified to oversee the growth process than the one who created you. And so we have to be reminded that God is a divine gardener. Somebody say God is a divine gardener. And he is an expert at facilitating growth. He knows how to prune. And you know, it's interesting because even as I was looking at the plan and I was kind of second guessing, well, do I clip here or should I clip this branch? It kind of looks like this branch might have a little bit left in it, but God has no uncertainty. He is absolutely clear at what is necessary to facilitate your growth. And so what we have to do as believers is to submit to that process and trust God to help us to grow. And so as we look at these two things and keep these two things in mind this morning, it's important that we recognize that that is at the essence of the pruning. It's crucial to remember who is behind it all and that God, the divine gardener, has the bigger picture in mind. Yes, he has the bigger picture in mind. At this moment, it may look like, oh wow, you, you clipped off all of those, those branches and so now it's starting to look a little wimpy. Well, I'll tell you the truth, I'm not even finished. When this is over, I'm gonna clip a couple more branches. But it may look a little bit wimpy now, but I have the bigger picture in mind. I recognize that as a result of the pruning, that the process will take place and that that nutrients will be able to redirect themselves to the area that is still alive. And that area will begin to blossom and will begin to bloom like never it would have been possible before the dead parts have been removed. Romans 8.28 comes to mind. We know that in all things, God works for the good of them that love him and have been called according to his purpose. It's all going to work together for your good. Somebody say, it's all going to work together for my good. It's all going to work together for my good. I, I know it's looking a little shaky right now. But when God is finished with me, God's not finished with me yet. He's the master gardener. So I know you're tempted to try to do some renovations and do some improvements, but I am in my master's hand. And when he's all finished with me, what a joy it will be to walk in his purpose and for him to delight in what he has done through his vessel. So as we think back to our definition of pruning, the one thing I want us to see is that there's a gentle art of elimination and cultivation. Somebody say that. There's a gentle art to elimination and cultivation because that definition showed us that 
it was to that to prune is to trim a tree a shrub a bush by cutting away the dead or overgrown branches or stems especially to increase the fruitfulness and growth and so one of the main jobs of the gardener is to remove the dead the fruitless or the broken limbs of the plant and often a plant will be hindered by a dead portion did you catch that it is actually hindered by that dead portion because that dead portion gets in the way somebody say it's in the way it's in the way sometimes that plant will waste energy and nutrients trying to help those branches that don't produce any fruit. In our lives, we may have similar areas that are hindrances to us as well. It may be sin that needs to be removed. It may be discipline in our lives that we need to accept. It may even be something good in our lives that is distracting us from something great. Did you catch that? It may even be something that is good in your life that's keeping you from getting to the great. The gardener will prune these things that we might have a better opportunity to grow. If the earthly gardener is interested in fruitfulness and healthy growth, just imagine how much more our Heavenly Father, our Divine Gardener, is interested in seeing us excel. Imagine just how much more He's interested in removing anything that is hindering us from reaching our full potential because he has created us and he knows what's on the inside of us. He knows the plans that he has for us and he knows what is interrupting us fulfilling that plan. How much more do you think he will prune us to help us grow? So as we look at that and we think about that, I remember Galatians chapter five, turn with me there real quickly if you would. Galatians chapter 5, I want to look at verses 22 and 23, because a Christian is someone whose strength comes by living in connection to Jesus Christ. We just talked about that with the branch and the vine. And Galatians 5, 22, 23 speaks about the fruit uh, or the products of the spirit that should be a part of our lives. And so it says the fruit of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? Against such things, there is no law. And so think about a minute. Think a minute about that fruit. Think about the patience. Is that something, an area that you desire to grow in? Think for a moment about the self-control. Is that something maybe you desire to grow in? Or maybe it's in the gentleness. Whatever the area is, if you desire to grow, the only way that is going to happen in our day-to-day -day lives is for us to remain connected to Jesus. As we fully surrender 
recognizing that we may not understand the path. We may not understand the process and why does this get to stay and why this gets to go, but that as we remain connected to him and fully surrender with unwavering faithfulness, then the divine gardener is going to prune away the unhealthy and fruitless parts of our lives. Somebody say, come on, Jesus, go ahead. I'm ready for you to remove whatever is hindering my growth. Remain in him through adversity, through trial, through hardships. See, that's when it becomes difficult. Sometimes when we are in difficult times, then we want to jump ship, right? We want to try to explore a different way to fix the problem because it seems to us that perhaps God is not aware that there's a situation requiring some adjustment. And so since he hasn't moved according to our pace, we begin to move out of the wheel and we begin to seek solutions of our own, not recognizing that we just did what? <laughs> just jump ship and disconnected from the vine. What, what we have to challenge ourselves to do is even in hardships, even in trials, even in difficulties, even when we don't fully understand what is going on, God, why? Why are you removing this person or this thing? Or why, why does it have to go this way? Even through those difficulties, if we remain connected to the vine and remember that apart from him, we can do nothing. So whatever it was we were gonna try to do, if it's apart from him, it will fail. Whatever that bright idea was that someone gave to us, if it's apart from him, we can't do it. So a healthy connection to the vine will produce great fruit. Somebody say that. A healthy connection to the vine will produce good fruit. All right, so when talking about pruning, Something else I want us to catch before we end our time together today, because I think that this can kind of catch us off guard. When we're talking about pruning, we have to come to the realization that less can be more. Somebody say less can be more. It's true. Less can be more. The pruning that God does in our lives, it is not because he's angry with us. It is not because he's trying to punish us or take away the things that he thinks that bring us enjoyment. Actually, it is quite the opposite. According to Hebrews, if you turn to chapter 12, verse 1, there is a race that has been marked out for us that results in a heavenly prize. And in order to run this race, we have to remove those things that will disqualify us or hinder us from reaching the finish line. Look at it with me if you could. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. 
God is simply telling you that you are in this race and you're, you're trying to, to make progress and you really do desire to grow. And you really may be very close to that finish line, closer than you think. But the thing that is hindering you, the weight that is besetting you, the thing that is upon you that somewhere in your mind you try to convince yourself you could still cross the finish line with this sin. <laughs> you can still cross the finish line with this hindrance. I'm, going, I'm bringing it with me. I know, I know, I know, I know, God. I know you've been trying to talk to me about this. I know you've been ministering to me. I know you've been convicting me about this for months now. But I, I, I want to bring it with me. God is challenging us this morning, whatever that hindrance is, whatever that sin is, whatever that weight is that is besetting us, it is stopping us from crossing the finish line. It's time to cross. It's time to reach that end. It's time to reach that goal. And at some point, we have to get desperate enough that we're willing to try it God's way. At some point, we recognize that we've tried it our way and it didn't work. We couldn't cross the finish line. We couldn't get two steps ahead because every time we did, we found ourselves going three steps backwards. But at some point, we reached the recognition that when God is trying to prune us, he's not taking something away from us from the sake of just depriving us, but he's getting something greater to us. And so as we look at that, we recognize it may not be a comfortable process. But in the end, as things are removed that aren't healthy for us, we find something more from life that could not have been found without the pruning. Even as I'm ministering to you right now, the Holy Spirit is ministering to me. I'm trying to turn him off because I'm like, wait a minute, this is not about me right now. I'm trying to minister to the people. But even as I'm ministering to you right now, God is speaking to me about things that I have to do. You know, I have these goals and, you know, those of you who know me know I'm a couple pounds heavier than I normally am and I want to be back to my normal size. But at the same time, I really don't want to stop doing some of the things that I do that help me to remain at this place. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to me just as clearly as possible. You've got to set aside anything that is going to hinder you, whatever it is. So if it's Ben and Jerry's that's hindering you, set it aside. Whatever the weight is that's stopping you from reaching your goal, at some point we have to reach a point where we say, I'm willing to do it. Go ahead, Lord. Prune me. Somebody say, go ahead, Lord. Prune me. Go ahead. You can do it. Say it. Go ahead, Lord. Prune me. Has there ever been a time in your life that you can think of where you had to give up something or leave something behind in your pursuit of growth, in your pursuit of becoming more like Christ? In your pursuit of becoming the person that you know that you were predestined to become has there ever been a time that you can concretely think of and maybe it's an emotional reminder because it was a time that was difficult for you and you look back and you understand now why it couldn't come with you to the next level well i was beginning to think of a situation like that in the Bible, and many of you may be familiar with it. Anybody familiar with Gideon? Yeah? 
Gideon, turn if you want to, to the book of Judges, because I'm just going to summarize some things that Gideon experienced for the sake of time. I'm encouraging you, though, that if you can go back and go through it, all of Judges chapter 7, verses 1 through 25, it will minister to you if you're struggling with this area of letting things or people go. Because you're wondering, if I do that, how can I still reach the goal? Because in your mind, you need them. In your mind, I can't make it without them. And God really begins to express that his ways are not our ways. And he shows us that so concretely in the book of Judges. So as you will see, when you study this more deeply, God is dealing with a vessel by the name of Gideon. And his assignment, like we all have, uh, ours may be different, but his assignment at this particular moment in time was to lead an army to defeat the Midianites' army. So he had to lead the Israelites, and they had to defeat the Midianites. And he was well-equipped to win this battle. Somebody said he was well-equipped. He had... 32,000 warriors at his disposal. 32,000. Maybe that doesn't sound like a lot to you, but it's a lot. And in spite of the fact that he started off with 32,000 warriors, do you know what God did? God did a little pruning. Because see, God didn't want the Israelites to win this battle and think that they won it because they were so mighty, because they were so vast and they were so powerful. He wanted them to understand that he was their God and that everything that they have comes from him. And so he said, if I let them go with 32,000, they'll be filled with pride and they may think that this was of their own doing. So I've got to do some pruning. Somebody say, get ready for the pruning. And so as a result of God's plan, he gave Gideon an instruction. And he said, I want you to give, out of these 32,000 soldiers, I want you to give those who are either fearful or just timid the opportunity to go home. Let them know it's okay. If you're timid or afraid, you can go home. Well, how many people do you think departed when that invitation was made? The first cut was 22,000, 22,000 of the 32,000 he started with. So after that first cut, he was left with 10,000 warriors. Okay, I don't know about you, but if I started with 32,000 and now I'm down to 10,000, I might be a little bit like, okay, you know, I'm a little shaky here, but I believe you, Lord. I'm believing that you are able to still do exceedingly and abundantly above all I could ask or even think to ask. But whoo, I sure would have liked to have had them extra 22,000. I'm wondering, why did you send them home? See, when we talked about remaining in him, even when we don't understand it, even when it doesn't make sense to us, knowing that he has a plan and it is not to harm us. So as if that wasn't enough, how many of you know what happens next? What happens next? There's a second cut. Somebody say, a second cut? 
there is a second cut. So this time God says, all right, what I want you to do is I want you to take all of these warriors down to the spring. And when they get down to this spring, I want you to look at how they're drinking the water. And so whoever drinks the water that gets down on their knees and then actually just with their mouth in the stream drinks the water, whoever does that, I want you to send them home. Whoever drinks that way and whoever drinks by kind of taking their hands and making their hands into a cup and then lapping in their hands like a dog, those are the ones I want you to keep. So how many of you think it cut this time? How many of you think, how many do you think got cut because they got down on their knees and drank the water from the stream? Another 9,700, leaving Gideon with 300 soldiers. 300 down from 32,000. Now you can be deep as you want. You can act so, you know, I'm holier than thou and that wouldn't have fazed me one bit, but let's just keep it real. To go from 32,000 to accomplish the goal of defeating a mighty army down to 300 is quite a pruning. <laughs> Your prune doesn't look so bad now, does it? But it was necessary for God to be glorified. And do you understand that Gideon, of course, went on to win this battle? And when he won this battle, not only did he God bring him to the expected end, not only did he receive victory, not only was he victorious, but God also got glory. See, there's things that God is doing in our lives that we see one way that we want to go about accomplishing it. And maybe it would get it accomplished, but we forget and we still ask God, get the glory. God be glorified in my life. But then when he tries to get the glory, we don't want him to get the glory. We want him to give us the fast pass. We want him to give us the ability to get to our goal quicker and with the least amount of inconvenience or faith. But see, this role that he had for Gideon, it didn't require him to work harder. In fact, they didn't even have to fight in this battle. If you go back and read the scripture, you're going to be amazed that they didn't even fight. God caused the army to be confused and to begin to fight one another. That's how powerful our God is. See, that's why we have to stop boxing him up because we think that he has to move a specific way because we can't even fathom. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We can't even begin to imagine how he's going to do it. His ways are not our ways. And so as we really embrace that, as we really embrace that he may be planning on doing something in a way we can't even conceive. But our job is not to conceive, but our job is to trust, to remain in him, to abide in him to continually trust him and that as he's doing and as he's removing things and as he's changing things to trust that it is not to harm us but to bring us to an expected end he is on your side somebody say he is on your side everything he does is to bring you to that expected end and then to be able to use you 
to bring him glory so that people will look in your life and they will say, I know that had to be God because what you were going through, what you were dealing with, the odds were stacked so far against you. But somehow, some way, if you tell me that the way that you made it is because your God provided a way, I believe you because I remember what you were dealing with. God's going to get glory. He's going to bring a testimony out of you. I pray that this is reaching your heart and your spirit this morning and that you really believe that whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever it is you're struggling with, that if you would trust his process, if you would allow him to prune you, if you would allow him to do it his way and not your way, it's going to be a glorious outcome and he's going to be greatly glorified. So as we close, spiritual growth does not happen and cannot happen by accident. It's not like that. It is a process and the Christian life is a process that we enter into when the seed of the gospel is planted, as we discussed in week one, and we open up our lives in God. Then, as we discussed in week two, we have to grow, and growth in faith takes effort. It takes effort. It takes fierce determination, and it takes the unquenchable grace of God. And it is true that God does love us just the way we are. But it is equally true that he doesn't want us to stay that way. He has something so much greater in store for us. So I ask you, what are some specific areas of your life that could use some pruning to allow for healthy growth to happen? What are some areas that need to be completely lopped off for the sake of future growth? Are there areas in the past that you now recognize God pruned away in order for healthy new growth to occur? Trust that God knows what he is doing and even though the process of pruning can be painful, it will also be fruitful in the hands of the divine gardener.